It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Here you are stuck with Green and Growing. Hey, I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. A lawn and garden show heard every Saturday morning on WSB. So this part of the show is when I choose a celebrity gardener. Whether or not they know anything about gardening If they don't, we're trying to teach them a little something. And if they do, we hope that you learn from the conversation. Over the course of the last couple of months, I have spoken to three famous marks. That's right, three. And I didn't make it easy for them. Three games, three challenges for each one of them. So why don't you take a listen and test your garden knowledge right alongside my guests. Up first, Coach Mark Ritt. It's our son David and his wife. And now they've got a little... Patio in the back. It's not a very big patio, but they've got peppers and tomatoes and uh, yeah, the jalapeno peppers, Ooh. basil, and they've got. And then my son David has a birthday gift for Joanna. Got her a uh, a Japanese maple. They've got that in a big pot and trying to keep that thing going until they buy a home with a yard where they can plant it. Okay. Growing up, I actually had a chia pet. <laughs> so I don't know if that counts as a garden or not. It does. Hey, it's something you got to keep alive, right? <laughs> you water it and it grows, right? Yeah. Mine was in the shape of Garfield when I was a kid. Yeah, I totally remember that. All right, well, you can enlist Catherine if you need some help on this. I got a quick game. I promise it's not hard. Are you willing to play? I'm sure. So the game I have for you, and like I said, you can totally phone a friend sitting right next to you if need be. Holiday-specific plants, Coach Rick, whether it's a holiday that's in the name of the plant or plants associated with any holiday year-round that you can right. think of. I need you to name four. Well, Easter lily, oh, yes. poinsettia, <laughs> Christmas tree, uh, roses for Valentine's Day. Hey, four. that's four. Now, how many of those were you? Uh, one and a half. Okay. <laughs> Y'all did fantastic on that. Catherine's whispering in my ear, so. <laughs> I heard her. She did there's, good. There's a delayed reaction. That's what it is. <laughs> Country music artist, Mark Wills. I had no trouble thinking up this game specifically for you. Uh-oh. I, I do different kinds. But since we're talking about the outdoors and, of course, our love for country music, gardening, all that kind of stuff, I'm going to have you fill in some song lyrics where something related to the outdoors or outside or planting or gardening is mentioned in the song, and I've taken the word out, and I want to see if you know it. Are you ready to play? Uh, I'll try. All right. <laughs> Love it. And just for uh, just for bonus points, because no one's keeping score at all, who is that? That's Alan Jacks. That's a perfect one being from Georgia. All right, up next. Greengrass Grove. Two for two. See, this isn't so bad. Yeah, yeah. I can I can play this game. All right, so we just had Tim McGraw. So up next. His beautiful wife. Not just promises and empty fantasies. I don't need a bed of roses. <laughs> Man, you're good. Now we've mentioned this gentleman. You're a big fan. John Deere Green. 
involved. Two more to go. I'd start walking your way. You'd start walking mine. We meet in the middle. Meet that old Georgia. Uh, hi. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, being from Georgia, you can just see that. Diamond Rio did such a good job of painting that picture, us being from here and in the south, just how much we love our pine trees, right? Absolutely. Got a bunch of them in my yard right now. Love them. We've got some southern magnolias. We've got some good stuff. Save the best for last. You ready, Mark? Yep. Blood Red Rose. Beautiful song. Hey, you won. I actually, I actually wrote that one. You did? I did. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. And, you know, I mean, folks know that's one of the newer ones. That's not from the 90s, right? It's, I don't know, it's probably 10 years old now. You, you threw me off guard when you threw one of my songs in there. <laughs> hey, I heard a rose <laughs> mention and I had to go for it. WSB show host and traffic reporter. Mark Arrow. We did this game a few months back. Mm-hmm. Had a good time with it. It was fun. So does Alex Williams know this food is something that you do on your show? And I think that's how this idea was born. What do you do to our fellow traffic reporter, Alex Williams? So the Mark Aram Show, which you can hear Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. right here on WSB Radio. Alex Williams is a great guy in the traffic team, but he's he's uh, food ignorant. <laughs> Outside so. of wings and burgers, he cereal. doesn't know what's he going on. He knows cereal. Yeah. yeah. So I'll ask him if he knows a food like, uh, do you know what a radish is? Or <laughs> do you know what uh, baklava is? And when in doubt, he doesn't know the food. So that's where this... Your game came from, does Alex Williams know this food? So it's, does Mark Aram know this plant? Correct. We'll come up with a better name. <laughs> but this is the second installment of this, okay? Yes. So I have created a list of plant names. They might be real. They might not be real. I want to know what you think. Because really all you know is fescue. That's And week by week, <laughs> I'm teaching you something new every morning in the traffic center. I think I taught you hydrangea last week, so you're getting it. I still know how to spell it, but I know of it. See, there yes. you go. And you and Maya are growing one of my baby tomato Tomatoes. plants. Tomatoes. Oh, my so God. You know that. There's and a bunch of them. It's very exciting? exciting. It is exciting. So without further ado, let's start. Tell me about a toothache plant. Toothache plant, real or fake? <clears throat> got to be fake, right? I mean, a toothache plant? It is real. Really? I don't know the scientific name. Not even necessary, yeah, but sure. that's how everybody knows it. It's known for the ability to fight oral infections, and it's also called oh. an eyeball plant. Oh. It's kind of cool. It's like a little round flower, and it's yellow, and the eyeball part looks red on top. So back in the frontier days, pre-dentist, you would yeah. chew on the toothache, toothache plant. plant. And, all right. Why fair not? enough. Uh, trumpet vine. Real or not? Trumpet. Uh, hmm. If it was a Trump vine, I would say it's <laughs> fake, but I'm going to say trumpet vine is real. It absolutely is. Okay. Folks very much enjoy that. Sometimes it grows wild. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> All right. How about a balloon flower? I'm going to go real. It is. Really? It's a perennial. Do you know what that means? That means it's a perennial. <laughs> it That's comes right. in like every year? Yes. Okay. Yes. An annual only lives one year, oh. but a perennial comes back every year. And when the flower petals are closed, it's bulbous, kind of like a balloon. Okay. And then opens up. Aww, it can be blue, adorable. it can be purple. Yeah. 99 luft balloons go by. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next one. Assassin bug. <laughs> uh, the assassin bug. We used to have, uh, oh, 
Yeah, real. It is real. Is it really? Yeah, it has one fang that it Ugh. uses to stab other insects. Ugh. Yeah, that's terrible. I hate bugs. It really happens. Breda. Well, just <laughs> Breda. No need to be afraid of bugs. So a few Saturdays ago, I was met in the hallway by this really evil roach, and DeMarco was answering phones, and he said, man, that guy just stood there like with his arms crossed, just daring us to go by. I hate And bugs. this morning, Ugh. I almost tripped up the stairs because a dead roach was in the stairwell. Oh, my God. <laughs> exterminator, please. But that means, I guess that means the exterminator is doing his job, right, if they're dead. Well, the one in the hallway the, well, was, it was not, not a lot. Yeah, you know, a few sorry. Saturdays ago, I was, sorry. I was upset about well, that. Well, I've got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, up next, a full house flower. Is that real or not? I want to say fake because of the show Full House, and you might just be, but I th- I'm going to go reverse psychology and say that's real. It is not real. Oh, it's fake? And I picked it because of you playing poker from time to oh, time. Oh, full- I was thinking so, a TV show I, Full House. I wanted you to think <laughs> along the lines of poker, but it is not real. Okay. Show me not. Is that a real flower? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to speak this. I'm going to show you my work in my okay. head. So the show me state is Missouri. So a show me not is probably the state flower or plant of Missouri, so it's real. That's good logic, but no. No? And a lot of people are thinking, forget me nots. Those are real. Yeah, yeah. Forget me nots are real, show me nots, not real. It's it's not the really good logic, state flower though. of Missouri? I don't think so. I don't not. know what is. Right. Who knows? All right. Um, what about naked lady? Risque on green and growing here. Um, Jeez. I'm going real. It is. All it's right. a lily. Oh, like mm-hmm. an arum lily. It is a lily, nice. yes, named after you. <laughs> All right, uh, last one. How about a red-hot poker? <laughs> Fake. That is real. Really? Yep. It's a tall, just like what you would picture it to look like, red flower, and it attracts hummingbirds. I love hummingbirds. They're great, aren't they? Do they, you all have a hummingbird feeder? No, but every one of my neighbors does. So oh, well, then you they're all getting fat. Them. All the hummingbirds are getting really, really fat in my neighborhood. They need it right now. Make <laughs> sure your neighbors are uh, cleaning the feeders. Clean those feeders. because yeah, some black mildew will make those guys really sick. Yeah. All right, so here's two. This is not whether or not it's a real flower, but this is kind of a new one that I okay. wanted to do with you. Oh, um, this plant sounds like a food. Okay. So you're very familiar with food. I am indeed. So I want to see if, and these are the only two I could think of. So if anybody else can think of a plant name that sounds like food, message it to me or send it to me on the Green and Growing Facebook page and Mark and I will be back to do these. Croton. Croton? What is like that? Like a crouton? Yes, right. right? Yeah. Croton is a colorful tropical plant with like thick leathery leaves and it's known in Florida, but it makes a good house plant in Georgia. Who knew? So I went to school in upstate New York on the Hudson River, and just down the river, there is a town called Croton on the Hudson. Ah, I wonder if it is because of the plant. Maybe. Yeah. And it sounds like crouton. So you're along my line of thinking. That's that's scary. Okay, what about pothos? I don't know. What food is that? Sounds like pot roast. Oh. Doesn't it kind of? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> it does. It does. So that's a, um, that's a house plant that Jared Yamamoto successfully grows. How about the egg and cheese biscuit rose? <laughs> oh, we need to we need to investigate that. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for playing along. Coming up next after the break, more of your calls and garden questions. 404-872-0750. Green and growing on WSB. I'm Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. Low 70s today with a mostly cloudy sky, but we stay dry. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, low 56, high 71. An update on your weekend weather. That is brought to you by Finley Roofing. I always have a great time in this hour with Celebrity Gardener. I hope a lot of you enjoy it and get something out of it. The point of me doing it is just for us to learn something or to be teaching an inexperienced gardener a little something. And if you have ideas 
or celebrities you have connections to, someone you'd want to hear on the show, let me know. Hit me up, write me an email, or send me a message on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page, and we'll get to working on that. In the meantime, there's this. Green Green and Growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. I love this part of the show, too, just giving you a simplified version of what you can accomplish this weekend if you've got a little time. Number one, according to my friend, certified aesthetic pruner Norm Mitleider, you can trim Japanese maples now if you haven't done any other pruning. Cut out some of the dead limbs and the duplicate branch systems. Those are what lay on top of one another, and they crowd each other out. Number two, fire ants are most active in warm weather. Yeah, most people treat them when they see the fire ants, but fall is the best time to fight them. So apply baits now and consider using boiling water to treat a mound near an area such as a well where you don't want any chemicals if you're looking for the organic route. And we spoke to uh, Walter Reeves just a few weeks ago, and he had the same recommendation for that idea of boiling water. I think that's going to Come in contact with the ant mound pretty well. And number three, if you haven't already, this is the time. We always say the beginning to mid-September to seed your lawn for tall fescue. This is the most important seed application to establish a good, strong fescue lawn. So broadcast the seed in one direction and then go back kind of in a diagonal pattern to that and drop more seed. That just ensures good seed drop and kind of a balanced, even application and either rake it in or maybe you've used a core aerator. That's going to be really well too. You've got to have good seed to soil contact. And of course, there are possible dry spells, you know, fall into early winter. So you've got to make sure you properly irrigate that new seed to ensure its best success. Now, one of my most obvious questions, though, to Walter was, okay, so I want to seed for fescue. This is a really important time to do it, but I also want to do that pre-emergent, right, to prevent winter weeds from coming up. He does recommend seeding fescue first. So that's why I said if you haven't already done it, you got to get it done now. And then you'll have to read the label on the bag of pre-emergent herbicide to see how long you need to wait to make sure those fescue seeds germinate and establish. And then in a few weeks, whether it be four, six, or eight, you can still do a pre-emergent chemical. And then that's going to prevent weed seeds from germinating. But hopefully by then your fescue is already starting to grow and it will be safe. So coming up, we've got more of your calls on green and growing. So love hearing from all of you. I hope you stay tuned right here on 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. And welcome to the September 19th edition of Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. Happy to be here and ready to get to some great calls. Thanks to everybody patiently waiting on hold. JD, good morning, my man. How are you? Good morning, Miss Ashley. How are you? So good to hear from you, sir. How can I help? Oh, I listen to your show every week. I love it. I love it. I know you're out there. I appreciate it so much. <laughs> hey, listen, here's the deal. As I was telling your screener, it was a short while ago. It seemed like you was uh, answering the calls, remember? Yes, back in January and, and seven years prior. That's absolutely yeah, correct. Yeah. And that job, I, I will give it to DeMarco. He's wonderful at it, but it's a lot easier oh, he's great. than yeah, sitting here behind mean. a microphone for three hours. Woohoo! 
but I still well, get here, to talk to you, nevertheless. Absolutely, absolutely. Here's the deal. I uh, Last year, I planted uh, fish, not fish, but ryegrass, uh-huh. and boy, did it come up beautifully. And uh, this year, around somewhere in June, I uh, mowed it down very low because, you know, the ryegrass had turned brown at that point. And I planted some Bermuda grass, and it is now pretty and green. I want to know, would there be a harmful effect if I continue to switch every year, you know, going from, say, ryegrass to Bermuda grass? Can you keep switching off? So you can, definitely, but ryegrass is only recommended when you've already got a really strong, healthy Bermuda lawn. And what you want to do, the timing is so important. So uh, overseeding is done when the days are warm enough for the seed to grow and the nights are cool. So 30 days before the first frost, I think that generally puts us around like November, 30 days before the first frost is when you want to overseed with rye because you want to make sure the Bermuda is definitely on its way out. And then keep it watered, keep it mowed, just like you would a fescue lawn, like an inch or two, keep the ryegrass mowed over the summer. But then making sure that the Bermuda's got a chance to come back up. The ryegrass is going to die out in the spring But if cool weather prevails, then it can become pretty persistent. You know, ryegrass is going to die out with the heat. So don't fertilize any later than mid to late January because you want to start kind of discouraging that ryegrass. Mow it down really, really low when you're ready, and that's going to shock it. And that's going to give the Bermuda a chance to start growing back up. So, J.D., I'd keep doing what you're doing, man, but just, you know, be careful that you do everything at the right time. And pay attention to uh, georgiaweather.net, I believe. Is that really cool website? Do I have that? Georgia? Yes, georgiaweather.net. That is a website from the College of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences at UGA, and they keep up there with the air temperature, the soil temperature, and all of that. And it's just such good information for gardeners to know. So thanks for the call, J.D. Don in Kennesaw, good morning. Welcome to Greeny Growing. Hey, good morning, Ashley. Hey. Yeah, I heard you talking to a, a, a woman that was having some trouble with her gardenias, I believe. She said they look mottled and yellow. Well, I've had some problems with the gardenias over the years. I have some August Beauty that I've had probably 20 years, and they'll go from time to time, and they'll start to look yellow, and leaves will fall off. And um, it turns out it's a fertilizer problem for me. I put get the miracle Grow, and uh, once a week for about three or four weeks, I put out some miracle Grow on it. But before that, I will cut them down to about 12 inches from three foot high. I cut them down to 12 inches, uh-huh. and they come back like they just came right out of the nursery, all bushy and everything. They're just really robust. And wow. this is, I've done it, you know, two and three times over the last 20 years. Okay, so, so it's, yeah, it uh, never your leaves never get to the point where they're just so unhealthy that the plant just starts dropping the leaves because that's really when we could have a irreversible problem. So does it happen later in the season for you too? Well, actually, it looks it gets it, it'll look like the the leaves drop off and the plant just looks like it's not going to make it. Yeah, and it looks bad. So you have nothing to. I said, well, the first time I did it, it said you have nothing to lose. Cut it back to twelve inches and and fertilize it. And it just sprouts, and it's come. Of course, I did this probably. I did this in June this year, uh-huh. so it may be too late for that now because you may get, you know, maybe too tender uh, later on or something. But the fertilizer, as far as uh, that, might be a, a quick solution with the Miracle Grow to see, and, it, and you'll see it perk up, you know, within, you know, two three weeks. Okay, if, so if it's just a fertilizer problem. You pruned them in June and had good good luck. 
Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, and the miracle Grow, I could understand that. That's boosting it a little bit because the temperatures are still so warm throughout the summer that that plant's still using that energy and still wanting to, you know, put out flushes of new growth and stuff like that. So the miracle Grow just gives it a little bit of a boost. Well, that's great news, Don. So nothing fatal by any means for Julia and her gardenia. No, they're really, they're really, they, they come back. And I know she's, white flies you can't miss. You can just walk by. If they're having a white fly problem, it'll just swarm you as you, you, you touch the plant as you go by. So right. you should know that's the white fly. It makes you know? me think of Pigpen from Peanuts, how he just walks around with a cloud around him. I mean, that's kind of what white fly yeah, look like, it, isn't it? It's like that. Yes, it <laughs> yeah. is. Well, so, thank you, Don. I really appreciate you taking the time to call in. Thank you. Right. I listen to you, Ashley. Thank Bye-bye. you. Call in any time. I love it. Richard in Sandy Springs. Hey there. Good morning. Hi. I recently read on the Internet that it is bad to put uh, mulch very close to the stems of plants because it will deprive the soil of nitrogen and water. And so I moved uh, the cypress wood chip mulch away from the the plants, uh, at least a foot away from the plants. But now the uh, the soil is bare around the, the stems, uh, like, and I'm afraid that those aggressive weeds are going to come back again. So, what should I cover up the, the ground with, if anything, uh, right next to the stems of of my uh, flowering plants? That is a little bit of a common myth, where people think that it robs the soil of nitrogen. It's it's actually just the opposite. It really is beneficial for the soil. The only way that it really robs nitrogen from other plants is if you mix those chips into the soil. But with them just being on top of the soil, that's not a problem. And actually the decomposition and all of that of the wood chips actually is beneficial to the soil, to the roots, to the overall plant itself. Now that may have been two separate things what you heard. So keeping mulch away from like trunks, and shrubs, that's really, really important. That's why I asked if you were talking about more just bedding plants or trees, because when you pile the mulch up against the trunk of a tree or a shrub, it creates like a dark, moist, low oxygen environment, and then fungal diseases can can occur in that case. And folks can often see, you know, mushrooms at the base of a tree, which is never a good thing. So you do have to keep mulch away from tree trunks and shrubs. Don't worry about the wood chips doing anything detrimental to the soil, I think you're going to be just fine. So go ahead and do lay it down. And for it to be beneficial for moisture retention and for, you know, weed prevention too, you've got to lay down those wood chips about two inches thick, if not maybe a little bit more, but just one thin layer that's just thin enough for you to still see soil, that's not going to quite cover it. So Richard, I think what you're doing, you're, you're along just fine lines of doing that, but that's a warning to folks who are mulching around trees and things like that. Just don't go up against the tree trunk. Phil in Atlanta. Hey, Phil, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. And my suggestion is for deer repellent. I want to hear that. What you got? It's very simple. I used to use this a lot when I lived and worked at Hilton Head Island. Lots Mm -hmm. of deer. Well, we found out that we could contact Tabasco Mm -hmm. and they will sell you the sludge off the bottom of the tanks <laughs> that they put. Now, let me tell you, this stuff really works, but you better have gloves on. You don't want to get it on your skin. And you mix it in a sprayer with water and oil. Hmm. Shake it up really good. Periodically, like after a rainstorm, when it dries, go out and just hit them real quick with a you know slight mist on top, not down towards the bottom. You don't need to put it at the bottom because they're good. deer are going to start eating on the top of the plant. Mm-hmm. 
put that on there, and trust me, they come up one lick and they're gone. Did you work commercially in Hilton Head? Yes, I worked at Moss Creek Plantation, but I mainly dealt with irrigation. So I wonder, though, if if all of our listeners run and call Tabasco, you know, if that's kind of something they have readily available in homeowner quantities or if it was larger for you all? Like I said, it was the sludge off the bottom of the tank. Now, whether they sell that or not anymore, I'm sorry, I haven't bought it in a long time. But that's what we use. And trust me, it was very effective. And, you know, it doesn't really harm them. I mean, I'm not going to harm an animal just because of the fact he wants to eat something. Yes, no, no poison. So you said the the sludge from the Tabasco and water and oil, what kind of oil did you mix in that spray? Uh, You can use a vegetable oil, but let's not use vegetable oil. Let's use baby oil. And they said, why baby oil? And I said, because vegetable oil, the scent is going to draw them in. Mm-hmm. because it is a vegetable, mm-hmm. and it could be the scent could draw them in. They said, well, that makes sense. So we <laughs> we just used baby oil. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yep. Okay, so I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to put that up for folks who are listening. And when I was talking with that conversation with Sandra Parrish, you know, she was just uh-huh. at her wit's end. They ate irises. The deer ate her knockout roses. I mean, the things they go after is just mind-boggling, too. But the, Well, you can also use human hair. That could be a deterrent as well. And also, I, I told Sandra when she's planting annuals, like bedding annuals and just flowering things in the beds, I'd always heard, and some folks, of course, have success and some don't, but you want to go toward flowers that have like a textured leaf because that's going to uh-huh. you know, deter them a little bit as well. So, so many tips and tricks and not every deer is going to follow the protocol that we want them to. But that's interesting. I really appreciate that, mm-hmm. Phil. That's a new one. I no like problem. It. I sure love it when we can help each other out. I'm always willing to take your calls on what works for you. Now, it may not work for others, but in your landscape, if it's something tried and true for you, don't hesitate. Give us a call, 404-872-0750. Well, coming up, more of your calls. And then at 8 o'clock, we're going to check back in with Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia. We have some updated numbers on the Great Georgia Pollinator Census. How did we do? She'll let us know next. I'm Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. Low 70s today with a mostly cloudy sky, but we stay dry. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, low 56, high 71. Finley Roofing sponsors that weather update. Thank you. Coming up at 8 o'clock, I hope you'll stay tuned. We are going to chat again with Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia about the Great Georgia Pollinator Census. We have an update, some numbers that you'll love to hear that are very encouraging. Ted and Marietta, hey, good morning. Thanks for calling the show. Good morning, Ashley. Hey, so tell us what's going on with your azaleas. The leaves are sort of losing their green. They're turning a pale green. They're tiny, dark brown, almost like stippling, you know, dots. Uh-huh. It's kind of like the color is draining from the leaf. The newer leaves are the darker green you'd expect. Than, I don't, yeah, is so that lace bug? It is. So we've got to get to that in a hurry. And if folks know that that's going to be a problem year after year, lace bug damage on their azaleas, best to start like in mid-spring to start controlling the first few generations of the larvae and things like that. But still, throughout the summer, you can repeat sprayings maybe every three to four weeks. Just read the label directions for that. Spraying with like an insecticidal soap or something because that eats away at the, at the bug's body basically, and kills them. But yeah, the reason for the stippling and the green draining out of the leaves is because they suck the juice out of each leaf cell. So they're essentially taking the chlorophyll away from the leaf. And obviously, 
the leaf surface needs to be green. It needs to be healthy to attract the sunshine and keep the plant healthy as well. Make a note for next year, mid-spring, to go ahead and start applications of insecticidal soap, any kind of garden insecticide. So those are the things that you spray every three or four weeks. Or what I had luck with, and some people don't like when, when we recommend this, is the systemic insecticide. So something that you do at the base of the plant, and it basically poisons the sap of the azalea, so no bug is going to be attracted to it. That's the easiest method to achieve control of the lace bugs. Imidacloprid in it, that starts with an I, that's the active ingredient. So Say that name again. Imidacloprid. Yeah, so uh-huh. get, get a hold of that now. And another telltale sign, too, like the leaves losing their green, but also when you look at the backside, there's little black dots lined up along the veins. So that's kind of where they're laying their eggs and their life cycle goes all summer. So, I mean, the good news, Ted, though, easily treatable for sure. Good. Thank you. And I love it. We never give ourselves enough credit because Ted probably already knew. He's like, is it lace bug? And I love that. I love when we... Give ourselves a little bit of confidence. Like, I think I know, but you just want a second opinion. I, I get it. Good morning, Julia in Atlanta. Welcome to the show. Good morning. My gardenia bush, the leaves are starting to look variegated. Mm-hmm. Is it the same problem or is this something that, um, is this something else I should be doing? So he had lace bug, and I think that's a little different on azalea leaves. And the reason they're called that is because eventually they eat so much of the leaf away, it becomes lacy, you know, almost a skeleton mm-hmm. looking at the leaf. But on gardenia leaves, I think whitefly is probably what you've got. So they, they excrete like a sooty substance, and then that starts to turn the leaf black and then the leaf is not getting sun and that blocks the sun so then it starts to get real mottled and even yellow looking so i think that's probably white flies okay and uh, just a pesticide for that or yeah again though a systemic insecticide would work something with imidacloprid that works from the ground up up through the plant but that's best applied like in april like back mid-spring the same treatment as the lace bugs because you want to get to them early in the stages and seven dust though seven dust would probably work right now but then getting on track in mid-spring just preventatively doing that in uh, systemic insecticide thank you for the call julia we're going to step out and back to more of your calls in hour number three the eight o'clock hour here on green and growing